All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Black Men Unlearning. I'm your co-host, Edwin Lee. And I'm your other co-host, Kyle Brooks. And Kyle, you know, I, the, the podcast is doing well. It's, 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 it's going well, I would say. You would say, yeah. yeah. We, we, don't, we doing numbers. But you know, for the first time, we got a question in the inbox. So I feel like, you know, this is a this is a milestone. This is a moment. It is a turning point. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's very it's very dope. So uh, we're going to start this episode off a little bit differently by reading a letter from a listener and responding. And then we'll jump into the meat of the episode. And so our letter today starts off. Good day, brothers. I recently played the Hard Conversations episode, and my goodness, it was very timely, insightful, and just nice to hear conversations like this happening somewhere else other than my realm of experience. I don't know if there was a solution or resolution to how to go about having them, given all of the circumstances that makes it difficult to have them, but I really appreciate some answers on how to do so. I guess really the only way to it is through it. But to throw a curveball, how does a man initiate those hard conversations with a partner when the man has a flawed past and is making attempts to right wrongs, but the partner hasn't fully forgiven and started the steps to put the past behind them and go forth in the newness of what forgiveness brings? I'm currently dealing with this, and I feel like a man with a hammer and a chisel trying to tear down the Great Wall of China. I'd appreciate your response. And so that's where we're at, Carl. So... We got a situation where there's a flawed past and at least one party is trying to move forward in forgiveness uh, while the other hasn't fully forgiven or started the steps to put the past behind them. What can we what what can we share with this, brother? So first, I want to say thank you for reaching out. Absolutely. And I'm grateful that you have found some value in the conversations we've been sharing. And my hope is that we can offer you some hope, some respite in the midst of what I imagine is a challenging situation. So I start with the flawed past and stories of our flawed pasts are always complicated and messy, sticky issues. Um, what I hear um, in our uh, our brother here is an acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's important, not shying away from, yeah, here's what happened. Here's where I fell short of the mark that I would have set for myself for this given relationship. Um, for this partnership and that acknowledgement is key it means something to own what you've dealt with uh, to own where you've struggled to own where you're trying to grow and be better to do differently moving forward it it occurs to me that the flawed past is not forgotten by either party and the person who feels wronged, you know, I don't know all the details of, of this past. I don't know how deep the transgressions were. I don't know how long they endure. So a lot of, you know, a lot of unknowns here. So I don't want to cast any judgment or aspersions on how they're sitting with those memories. At the core, I believe that genuine genuine forgiveness can exist alongside difficult feelings. The choice to forgive, and I emphasize that it is a choice. To me, the choice to forgive is about saying that we're gonna we're gonna clear the decks we're not going to maintain this relational debt. It's not about seeking revenge. I'm stumbling over my words. It's not about seeking revenge or seeking payback in a sort, but it's saying, you know, okay, let's find a way to 
at the very least, make some progress towards a different path forward. Now, the question for me here is, I think about like, how long has it been? What's the time frame here? I think about the nature of the transgression, but I also think about uh, the the competing feelings. One, the, the feelings that you know this, this partner has about what happened, but also their feelings about what they want to happen. Yeah. Because I think that's a critical question to answer. Do you want things to be different? Um, I think about the uh, the the opening words of a beautiful novel by Nella Larson, um, Quicksand, I believe, uh, or is it is it pass? No, not Quicksand. Quicksand, maybe it's passing. I think maybe passing. In any event, this novel opens uh, with the the words, you know, "Are you sure, my dear, you want to be well? Because being being well takes work." So there's a question here, I think, it, it seems clearly, uh, our brother has written to us, is wanting to make things right. And is finding that that's a slower process. Sometimes the process is just going to be slow, but I think there are also decisions to be made around, okay, how much patience do you want to exercise? Is the time invested? Is the slow progress worth the time it might take can you really uh, be okay with that and it seems uh the brother in question wants to continue forward in relationship and this is i think a, a, a critical a critical aspect of recognizing that forgiveness also doesn't necessarily mean uh continuing in relationship but if relationship is what we want, if relationship is the thing we want to be restored, then it's going to take some active decision making. And sometimes those decisions are going to have to come before the feelings accompany them. Word. Um, just looking at the question, it starts with how does the man initiate those hard conversations? Um, and so my thought even in that is, well, what what makes the conversation difficult to have? Is it that your partner doesn't desire to have the conversation? Or is there something that you're actually dealing with that, whether it be avoidance or a fear of what comes with the conversation or what have you, that makes the conversation difficult to initiate? I think you hit it on the head uh, in, in, in the letter when you said that the only way through is to actually face the thing and go to it. So uh, it is necessary to identify the problem within conversation and, and meet the moment by having the challenging and scary and difficult uh, interaction because it doesn't get better outside of that interaction. Uh, I think it's it's really clear that, um, and I think we all know that even in the moments where we avoid the, you know, the the conflict or um, having the discussion about the issue, that when we wait and let let it pass, that that doesn't really solve it. And so, continuing in relationship, as you said, Kyle, it just requires us to 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 get into that discomfort. Um, you also mentioned something and speaking directly to the, to the, uh, the listener here about writing wrongs. And I don't think that that's the language that I'm, or language that I'm comfortable with in general. I don't think it's about writing what's wrong because there's, there's a tone in that and I could be wrong, but go with me here. There's a tone in that is, that seems like it's like trying to erase the thing that happened. And that's, that's not how that works, right? Like, I think um, we, it's not, it's not about making it as if the thing did not happen. It's about moving forward with the wisdom and knowledge and the care that comes from having dealt with 
the thing that happened or the thing that happened is very passive. The thing that was done, the trans, the, the transgression, right? Um, the choices that were made. It's actively dealing with those things. And so um, forgiveness doesn't come with just the kind of transactional nature that, you know, we were taught as, as kids where, you know, say you're sorry. Do you forgive your brother or cousin or whatever? And it's just yes, and you move on and you go play. Now, I mean, we all understand it's deeper than that. So it's if there is a if there is a um a lack of desire from your partner to forgive, it really is about not avoiding the truth of that. And coming to an understanding about whether forgiveness is going to be possible, whether it's because of choice or necessity. And so I think the hard part in this is that you, regardless of whether it will be offered or not, you have to meet the moment and have the direct conversation. Um, and, and when we talk about flawed paths, and we all have them, I think it's important to recognize that um, old stuff can't be old stuff if it's still happening. And that's not casting aspersions or making assumptions. It's just stating a thing, right? It's not old stuff if it's still ongoing. It is relevant. It is, um, it's, it's, I, 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 I hesitate a little bit around evidence, but uh, as a word to be used, used to describe that, but um, it is certainly important detail. It continues um, to explain the pattern or what have you. So um, in seeking forgiveness from your partner, um, the hammer and chisel is required because it is hard work to continue to work on or continue to to. Uh, develop relationship on the other side of forgiveness of something that seems to be significant because your partner hasn't decided to let it go. Um, and so in that, it's just a question of whether or not you are both willing uh, to come to uh, some kind of middle ground of what it's going to mean for you to move forward and if that's possible. And avoidance can't be part of it. Because if you don't have this conversation, it ends the same way that you're that you may be fearing it may end. Sometimes we have to prepare ourselves. Um, I call it building a callus. When when I think about day to day the duties I have to do for work or other projects I'm dealing with. Every day I'm faced with something I don't feel like doing. The question is, how and when am I gonna get around to doing it? Because it's gotta get done. And what I found is it helps to build that callus, facing the difficult thing head on saying every to myself every morning, you know what? I'm going to take stock of the things I need to get done and I'm going to take a real close look at the thing I don't want to do and figure out how to give it my time, my energy, because that's the only way it's going to change. It's not going anywhere. But we then have to change our relationship to difficult things, to challenging things. I'm thinking about what you mentioned about the language of righting wrongs. And part of where I, I maybe would expand on that is with this idea of making whole. Mm -hmm. So we can't undo what's been done. We can't create some situation in which it never happened. The question is, how can we create a better situation moving forward that allows for some wholeness, some happiness, some healthiness uh, that doesn't force us to perpetually live in the moment, in the reality of the devastation, of the transgression, of the thing that went wrong. 
because that too becomes its own form of punishment. It's picking at the wound and never allowing it to heal. Mm-hmm. But also accepting that if a wound is going to heal, it's got to get cleaned out first. And that's probably going to hurt. So we can't necessarily think of healing as a pain-free process. We have to understand pain as a necessary byproduct of digging into wounds that need wholeness. And hopefully we prepare ourselves well to enter that difficulty knowing, okay, this won't be pain-free, but perhaps it can be the the wound that brings wholeness, right? In the way that the surgeon's scalpel creates space for interrogating, for investigating what needs healing under the surface. I think this is one of those kinds of situations in which there is no pain-free path uh, that leads to to better relationship. Uh, There might be, uh, I would say, anesthetic paths that lead us to cut off the thing that's causing pain, in which case you you still lose something. Yeah. So, you know, my 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 hopes to the to the homie, if you're listening, you know, I wish you the best in navigating what certainly is and will be a process of pain, but doesn't have to become a process of suffering. Because mm-hmm. what I'm hearing now is the originary pain has now become an ongoing suffering. And everybody's suffering because homies, homies unhappy and wanting to, to find some way towards reconciliation. The partner is unhappy because they're still carrying the weight of what yeah. went wrong. So it's like, man everybody's suffering right now and we all have to come to a a space of accepting that the process forward toward healing and wholeness is going to require some pain and we can't remove that part neither neither from our experience of of receiving forgiveness nor someone else's process of um getting to a place of choosing forgiveness. It all comes uh, with pain on both sides. So good brother, thank you for the question. If you listeners have a question for the Black Men Unlearning podcast, you can email us your question at blackmenunlearning at gmail.com. And we may answer it as part of one of our episodes. But getting into the meat of things, Kyle, this forgiveness thing, it, um, it resonated with both of us. So I want to stay here. You know, um, when you think about how you were taught about forgiveness, like as a kid, what did that look like for you? And how does that shape how you think about forgiveness today? So on the matter of forgiveness, I think of something I would hear my grandfather say when I was young. He talked about the idea that he would rather someone feel like they got over on him than to feel like he got over on them. And it had everything to do with his sense that he wanted to do right by people, even acknowledging that sometimes they weren't going to do the same mm-hmm. it was an acknowledgement that there isn't always reciprocity in our practices of relationship which means on some level you've got to decide to forgive others for their transgressions recognizing that it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to change their ways so what what it what it spoke to for me was something about the way my grandfather was imagining boundary, which is to say, he didn't say, you know, I'm going to let somebody make a fool of me perpetually. What he said was, 
essentially, I want to be focused on my integrity and my practices, recognizing that, yes, we all fall short. But he was the type who did not want to live in such a way that he was creating a debt to others, a deficit by way of how he wronged them or how he treated them unfairly, how he left some things unresolved. And I would say my grandfather was, in a, in a lot of respects, you know, if we think about the that often quoted biblical phrase, turning the other cheek, my grandfather was uh, the type who I think was perhaps more prone to not necessarily just let stuff slide, but certainly to, to lean perpetually in the direction of forgiveness. I don't think he wanted people to feel in debt to him for ways they might have done wrong or, or could have done things differently. Um, when I think about how I internalize that for myself, in some respects, I internalized it as a call to live with integrity, to be thoughtful about the ways that um, I may or may not have uh, always gotten things right, and to always be willing to extend that grace to others. Um, in some respects, looking looking back on particularly the way forgiveness seemed to get talked about like in church and things of that nature. There was often this emphasis on how God forgives us of our sins and, uh, you know, God forgets those sins mm -hmm. that, and that, you know, we ought to forgive others as God forgives us. Of course, there's also, uh, you know, another less frequently quoted scripture, you know, how can you love God whom you have never seen and hate your brother whom you have seen? It's a reminder that this relational life with other human beings is a little more challenging because they write up in your face and sometimes they plan in your face. And you got to decide what you want to do about that. Um, so I'll I'll leave it I'll leave it there. I think that I think at times I I was getting mixed messages about forgiveness, and frequently, oh man, you, you know you you open it up another can of worms for me because now I'm thinking about the ways that folk get socialized into forgiveness on the basis of well you know that's your family or that's you know. Because ooh, that's it's 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 sounding like <laughs> qualifying abusive behavior on I the basis mean, of kinship. All a thing a thing. Um yeah, man. I when we were prepping for the show, we were talking about the the phrase forgive and forget. And then when you mentioned, you know, this this like the Christian concept of God keeping no record of our of our sins. I, I connected with where, you know, forgive and forget gets co-opted into the, the Christian rhetoric, but it's, but it's actually not in the Bible, which I was today years old when, when I learned that that's not actually there. And normally I'm really on top of that stuff, but this one was not, this one was not one that I knew. Um, but I, I, I remember that phrase being used when I was a child. And so a lot of my socialization around forgiveness was transactional, right? Someone says they're sorry and you say, okay, I forgive you. And that's how you move forward. And I, and I see how that finds its origins in, um, in doctrine because you know we are called to forgive folks in Christian doc in doctrine in, in Christian doctrine excuse me uh, and that that forgiveness is uh tied to our salvation 
but it's the it's the the idea of forgetting being connected with forgiveness that's that's very difficult for me today and that denies the reality of our creation because our minds don't forget what took place like we still feel um the traumatic uh results of what may have happened to us we still have the memory we can still um rehearse these things in our minds uh with anger after they've taken place even if we have freely offered someone forgiveness which have you if you're still angry about it that's i'm legitimately asking that question because i feel like that needs unpacking but um I think so much about what I've come to, what I came to understand of forgiveness through my upbringing was not really connected to like a, a relational exchange or a conversation um, that takes place where you're trying to work towards this middle ground or you're acknowledging that um, a transgression is taking place you're unpacking the transgression, you're establishing boundaries, uh, because I don't think I learned boundaries at all when I was a kid in, in that way, such that I could set them or that someone could set them for me because uh, a consequence of being taught to always offer forgiveness is then thinking that folks should always offer it to you. And then perhaps wondering why you're not getting, you know, quote unquote, treated fairly when it's absolutely fair for someone to, you know, maybe forgive you and be like, but I'm done with this and this is not going to continue at all, right? Um, I think also because of the nature of punishment connected to my transgressions that the exchange around saying I was sorry and seeking forgiveness always felt like it came tied to a big consequence. And that is something that I've carried with me that becomes difficult in these moments where I am seeking forgiveness or even when someone is seeking forgiveness from me because there feels like there's this kind of cloud or this sense of danger or lack of safety that is present around these discussions such that everything can come tumbling down in this exchange. And so it fuels avoidance, it fuels uh, fear around facing very difficult conversations around forgiveness. And so it's, it's, it's telling that some of our conceptions and some of the, the common language that we use around forgiveness creates some of the difficulties around facing uh, difficult relation, relational moments. Um, it makes sense from this context. I, I, in, in, in unpacking this, I, I see where, you know, my behavior comes from. your words bring to mind for me the critical distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. People can forgive and still decide the relationship that was is not going to be reconciled. For me, forgiveness is the way of unburdening from the debt. You know, you, you've wronged me in this way that's created a debt a deficit in our relationship and while it might be good and right for you to make that debt whole i see forgiveness as saying you know what we're going to count that as a loss and the 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 transaction is closed bill was unpaid but we're we're just taking that as a loss we're letting it be what it's going to be and we're not rehashing and revisiting that it doesn't mean 
that the terms and conditions of our doing business have not changed. There are some ways in which, you know, folk only get to do me wrong once. You, you fool, fool me twice, shame on me. So sometimes it's a matter of forgiveness comes with a renegotiation of my boundaries. So if you've shown me how you're going to move or how you're capable of moving, I now need to renegotiate. Hmm, how am I going to move around you or with you? Mm-hmm. And maybe I just won't. Now, the thing is, and I, and I, and I can speak to this from experience, what I don't like is when folk don't keep it 100 about the reconciliation you thought you made. Because I've had moments where, you know, things, and, and, I, and, and mind you, there are times when people seek a, a, an answer, they seek a kind of restitution for how they feel they were wrong. And you may not even necessarily agree you may not even necessarily, because if if you got multiple parties involved in a given situation, then what's clear is that people may have different versions, different stories about what actually happened. A friend of mine uh, posted something on social media that I thought was so uh, so valuable and critical about how you have to be careful when you're listening to people's stories about a thing that went wrong. Because what will happen is even people who tell the truth sometimes don't tell the entire truth. Mm -hmm. Don't give some critical details. So, you know, you come to me telling me, man, you know, I can't believe so-and-so bust the window, bust the windows out of my car. It's like, they crazy. I can't believe they did that. Now, the backstory is, oh, well, you was fooling around with they, they co-worker and everybody knew it except for them. And then that co-worker tried them and made, made them look like boo-boo the fool in front of everybody. So now, oh, wait, there's some clarity and context to why them windows got busted out. It's not to say that that was a good thing or a justifiable thing. It's to say there's a logic to how this came about. Yes. That ain't just as simple as, man, I can't believe they did that. But so we so we have lots of situations every day in which even people's perception of having been done wrong is also grounded in a much more complex set of relationships. But suffice to say, I've had instances where, you know, I genuinely, in times where I'd even know something was wrong. And somebody comes to me with an offense. And sometimes it was something that happened way, way back that I'm like, man, I didn't even remember that. Or even my perspective on it was like, hmm, I don't think it quite happened that way, but okay. Hey, I can can be humble enough to say, you know what? I'm sorry for the way this unfolded. I'm sorry for the harm that was done to you. And I want us to move forward in a better way. Now, if we get to that place, cool. And if you decide, hey, you know, I don't know if I'm really trying to rock with you like that. Okay, I can accept that. What I can't accept is people throwing stones and hiding their hands. So if we not cool, just call it not cool. But don't, don't don't be one way in our conversation and then be a different way when other folk come holler at you because i've had people kind of like play play these 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 kinds of games and i'm like oh it's always it's always one way when you're offended but i'm i'm real skeptical well i'm skeptical of two kinds of people one people who are always offended because some folk i'd be like "Mm, you maybe need to ask what's happening with you interpersonally relationally, emotionally, from an interior perspective and figure out why you why you be ready with the trigger finger for any and everything that you perceive as having done you wrong. The other thing I don't like, 
is people who operate as though they never offend anybody. Because mm-hmm. that kind of, man, there, there's a kind of self-righteousness that I just cannot tolerate. I'm like, listen, we all fall short. We all miss the mark sometimes. And I can own that, bro. Like, yeah, I'm trying to learn and grow daily. And also, I'm not going to be out here making empty apologies for stuff that, eh, you know, there have been times where I've said, you know what? I will be the bigger man in this situation and just say, hey, you know what? I care more about the relationship than I care about being, quote unquote, right all the time. What you're not going to do <laughs> is gaslight me. Like, like I'm out here, you know, doing doing you wrong on behalf of all all men and the patriarchy and all parties involved. Like, sorry, fam, we don't believe you. You need more people. <laughs> I uh, to that point, I don't think we have really a structure for saying, hey. I value, like you said, I value our relationship more than I value being right in this situation. However, I don't truly think that there was something wrong with what I did. So like an agree to disagree framework within this relational structure such that we can decide whether we're going to move forward or not. Because there are situations where it's like, listen, I apologize for this because it is important to me that we get to a place where we can move forward. But I, I, as I think about that, I, I don't know if I like where that, where that leaves us because it is, if I, if I truly don't believe that I did something wrong, then the apology is empty without the communication of like, I'm I'm not interested in being right here. I'm just saying like, I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm wrong. And, and, and it's, I can't offer you, I'm sorry if I'm not truly sorry. And so that part, I think with our relationships is just not something we are at all socialized to deal with positively. I think that in in all of my imagination in the moment, that feels like a, a thudding end, right? Like that doesn't feel like something that resolution can come from. And I think that's troubling because I think we can all honestly point to situations where we just like surrendered because it's like I we can't get, we can't let this be the thing that causes all of this hell to break loose because it's not that serious, right? At least for one party, right? Um, but like offering that 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 I'm sorry or that apology when you don't really mean it, is that an act of love or is that like just avoiding the issue? And that's that's a that's a hard thing to sit with because it it ultimately it, it avoids the the deep tension and I don't think any of us want to sit in that particularly for not like long periods of time but I think there's something valuable about us developing the callus right and being mm-hmm. willing to say like okay this is difficult I'm still upset and I don't like the fact that you're not acknowledging where I see you did wrong and what I'm explaining to you. And I care about you and us enough to be able to take a breath, step away and come back to it. I think I can speak uh, honestly, just sharing what I've shared about like my own upbringing. I don't have a lot of stamina for 
for for going at it like that. <laughs> you know, like yeah, bro. You get to a certain point, you like, all right, man. Listen, I'm I'm done with you. Got this. it, <laughs> bam. You got it. You fine. Yep, y'all won. It's cool. And that's and that's 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 difficult because that thing comes back because it's 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 not really resolved and it can be it can be small and like i think the 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 language you use about just balancing the ledger and being willing to let things go is important in this but i think we try to 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 put a bow on our conflicts and come to a resolution on everything or else it doesn't feel like it's over and i don't know if that's always how the conflict ends in the real world bro i'm glad you i'm glad you said that because in real life everything's not resolved it'd be messy. sometimes man my my genuine belief is that the general state of life is mess that doesn't mean stuff is messy all the time that doesn't mean your personal individual life is always in a shambles it is to say that human beings have a tendency a propensity towards messiness we be leaving stuff undone all the time and it's not to say that that should then be an intentional praxis to say well i mean stuff is gonna be messed up anyway so why should i do any better no it is to say man human beings be on some trash behavior regularly and pretending otherwise does not serve us or help us. At the same time, uh, what I also recognize, and so I think about how this ties into our sort of culture of, of forgiveness, our cultures of reconciliation, how we want to resolve things and make things better. I'm not convinced that you gotta agree on everything with the people you love and that you journey with. There are times where I've made business decisions about, yeah, I'm just not even going to go down that path with this person because we might have good relationship and also have this thing that we're just not going to agree on or this thing that's always going to be a point of tension, right? You could say, love everything about a spouse, a partner, uh, you know, love all the different facets of them, how facets of them, how they move through the world, how they engage uh, you you know, how they just how they how they live and, and generally rock with life. And there will be some small percentage of things that is like, mm, I don't know, we ain't seeing eye to eye on that. And if the threshold were. Man, we got to agree on everything. Fam, you just would never be with nobody. You would never have no friends. You would like you just would, <laughs> that's not how life works, man. And I think there's something unrealistic about this idea that everything gets resolved sometimes stuff stays messy and sometimes that means you got to know how to move thoughtfully and carefully around people who just got a tendency towards messiness like there 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 was a great weight and burden removed from my life when i recognized and accepted it is not my job nor my responsibility to change other people. Which means if some folk, man, they don't, they've shown you who they are, believe them. And rather than trying to make everything right, man, sometimes making it right means leave them where they are, where you found them, leave them where the incident happened and walk in freedom and liberty from that point forward. Because um, man, life is, I mean, life is short generally, but certainly too short to be getting bogged down in like, goodness, it's, it's some folk on this forgiveness tip, man, who, one, some folk don't want our forgiveness. Some folk are not seeking absolution. Some people are like, you know, yeah, I did it. And and what you gonna do then, right? Because because chasing them down for some apology you think you are owed is not gonna get you the healing you actually need. I'm convinced a lot of people think they want closure. What they actually need is healing. Mm -hmm. 
And if they heal, they probably wouldn't chase that closure in the same way. And I'm not saying it's bad to want that, to want things to be resolved, but I, mean, I can I can tell you, and I say this as I'm not the type who goes around here, you know, folk 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 be real, uh, you know, heavy on their real G's move in silence, and then loudly tell you all the ways they cutting people off or my circle getting smaller. It's like, man, you just stop fooling with certain people. Like, come on, like, don't 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 do that. But but all that to say, um, the the important recognition that you can also just quietly let some stuff go, um, and and wish people well. Like as as my uh, as my friend puts it, you know, I want everybody to eat, just not at my table. I don't wish you ill. I don't wish you harm. But. And we ain't got to break bread necessarily. And it doesn't necessarily mean I have animosity towards you or an ought towards you. But it's just some people who, once again, if they show you how they move, you only setting yourself up by trying to reconcile with folk whose practices and ways of thinking and being suggest that the only thing they try to reconcile with is their self-interest. It occurs to me that it's important for us in our intentional relationship building to establish ground rules or rules of engagement for how to deal with conflict. And to and to as you because I mean nobody's, you know, starting out the relationship saying, okay, so when we when we get into a fight, what are we gonna do? Maybe you should do that. I don't know. That seems weird. Um but I guess in in the midst of it, it's important to to have some kind of setup, some some standards for how we approach those things. Because otherwise, I think we place ourselves in situations where we expect we expect inauthenticity or we can we can come to expect like these kind of superhuman mythical responses to difficult things um and man it, it's been my experience that not dealing with the conflict doesn't just go away in terms of like how it shapes our person and our our thinking and our personality, like the trauma of that looms large and can loom large for a long time. Like we we pass that down uh, when we're not able to like honestly deal with the conflict. And so I think it requires us to have I guess expectations when offended and when you're the offender and and knowing that like burying it doesn't doesn't make it better cuz then sometimes sometimes burying it just makes it it's it's it ends up being a landmine for someone else later on down the line for them to have to deal with the injury of stepping on what they thought was fertile ground and realizing like they're in a very dangerous space. So we, I guess what I'm wondering is, as, as we think about what, what it looks like for us to practice forgiveness in a way that leaves us whole, like what is, what is the good practice for us when we, are the offending party and like when we are the offendee like the one who was offended i just made up offendee that's not a word <laughs> <laughs> so and, and you know i'm in support of neologisms we can make things up i love we it. know we know what we're trying to say everything is made uh, up no i mean some most 
some things are made up. Right. It, you know, that's that's a that's a deeper conversation for the, the economy day. is made up. Moving on. That's not <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so the first thing that comes to mind is the idea that forgiveness is an inside job. So one of the critical things to do, and I think a difficult thing for us to do, is not forgive others, but forgive ourselves. Mm-hmm. Can I forgive myself for the ways I have done others wrong? Can I not treat myself as less than or a bad person because I was less than perfect? And can I have grace for myself um, as the offended can I forgive myself for having been wrong and not blame myself for, oh, you should have seen this coming or you should have anticipated, you should have planned for, you should have chosen better. If we can forgive ourselves for what happened to us and not treat it as our fault for not being more vigilant. Mm-hmm. I think then that opens up the space for how we want to engage forgiveness in relationship with others. I think we have to get really clear about what it is we actually want. Sometimes I don't think people want forgiveness. Uh, I don't don't think they want to forgive others. I think they want some people to suffer. And the fact is, everybody ain't going to suffer for what they did wrong. You're not going to see the suffering manifest in a way that gives you some satisfaction, some sense of revenge, some sense of recompense. That ain't how life works. At the same time, we've got to be clear of not just how we want things to be, mm, I guess, resolved to an extent. And sometimes a resolution may look like I've decided to wash my hands of this and move forward. I think we have to leave room and space for the fact that um, healing can be a messy affair, that uh, forgiveness and healing won't always look like closure. You might always feel a way about certain things. And it may be that over time, you negotiate a different relationship to them but mm, you might still feel away. So, you know, I think in in the end, I come back to the, that core principle, forgiveness is an inside job. And that for me, forgiveness is primarily about deciding on how I am going to relate to what happened and who was involved in it. It's about how I want to orient myself even if another person, if the other person or persons don't acknowledge what happened. Because there's some stuff where, you know, and I, I don't think it's a good practice to avoid conflict just for its own sake. But I do believe we have to know uh, as in the in the in the, the words of the late great Kenny Rogers, no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no one to walk away, and no one to remember. Yeah, I think this, as with so many of the the topics that we discuss, uh comes with uh like the deep exploration of self and an understanding of our 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 decisions and what motivates them and i think from i think that that's relevant from both sides of conflict as the offended party what's motivating your forgiveness right like is it is it because you're seeing forgiveness as the right thing to do and you're trying to live up to some ideal of what it means to be good or is it motivated from a desire to preserve and to you know 
keep the conditions right for continued relationship, no matter what the personal cost is. Because I think in, in those ways, that type of extending forgiveness can be damaging down the line. Um, and it, it and it really is like thinking about you know why why am I forgiving this? Is there is there a healthy way for me to forgive this and continue relationship? Mm-hmm. As the as the uh, as the offender. I, I I think I would desire honesty. I think I shouldn't say I would. Like I do desire honesty. I I desire to 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 understand. I'm I'm a I I'm a deeply empathetic person, so I don't always catch everything. I'm not trying to highlight myself as some forgiveness saint or something like that. That's weird. But um, I think that I can often understand pretty clearly what uh, the consequences of something I've done are. Um, but I think I want to clearly know what 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 damage I've caused so that I can try to atone in terms of, you know, a depth of understanding, a shift in behavior, um, or what have you, right? Um, but again, the requirement from myself is is an honesty. Like, am I am I seeking forgiveness just to move past this thing, or am I seeking forgiveness because I actually want to fix this, and I actually want to cultivate the conditions for the relationship to continue with a changed behavior with a uh, a different outlook and so it's part of this is really understanding the motivations of the forgiveness in and of itself um and not doing it for these altruistic reasons but seeking forgiveness or offering it from a place of introspection and vulnerability and openness about what it means to engage in that kind of, you know, reconciliation, exchange, discussion, transaction. It's not a transaction. Um, But to actually actively think through what comes next and to and to and to do right by the relationship in in that in that imagining of the of what comes after forgiveness yeah it's not just about the moment it's about the hereafter and so we have to ask just not what feels good right now, but what do we genuinely hope for in a future that we're building? And sometimes the future that you build is one that doesn't include every person, every encounter you've had before. I can accept that moving forward in a healthy way in life is sometimes meant acknowledging Forgiveness might look like letting go. And that that is not a failure. It's simply an acknowledgement that life does not resolve as neatly as we might like. But that doesn't mean we have to make a mess of it. Yeah, man. So I think we'll leave it there. Uh, Thank you, as always, for rocking with the Black Men Unlearning podcast. 
you know, find the podcast wherever you listen to it and drop us a drop us a rating. You know what I'm saying? Give us five stars. Don't be yeah. giving us the little trash other stuff. Give us five stars. No. Yeah. Thank you so much as always. Please subscribe or follow or or and please rate with five stars. Uh and we will catch you on the next one, y'all. Yes, sir. Take care. All right, y'all. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Black Men Unlearning podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Black Men Unlearning and email us at blackmenunlearning at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to podcasts.